grilling steak and shrimp, enjoying kids and grandkids, life just doesn't get any better. But imagine a family that hardly talks, where dad lives to eat and mom's main goal is to take advantage of her old man. As we conclude our study, A Living Faith with the Influence of a Godly Woman, our study leader Dave Wordson takes us to Genesis 27 and Rebecca, the con artist with faith. On this Father's Day, Mary and I only have one of our kids coming home. Joel and his wife Courtney and his three kids are coming up. In fact, they're on the road right now. And this evening, I'm going to be grilling steaks and grilling shrimp. Anybody want to come over? That's my favorite. I I love doing that. And so we're going to have a great celebration. Life doesn't get much better than that, does it? And I'm sure a lot of you have plans. I want you to imagine, how many of you dads are going to eat all by yourself? You're going to eat by yourself with just one of your sons, and you're not going to eat with your wife. I want you to imagine a picture of a family where the dad, he's old, and he's blind, and he's sick. He can barely get up, and he's going to eat just with one of his sons, okay? I want you to imagine a family, too, where the mother is really committed to the Lord. She really cares about God's promise. She really cares about the covenant that God has made. She's really focused on that, but she feels that God has messed up. She feels that God isn't coming through. You ever feel like that? You ever feel like you need to grab control? Moms, you ever feel like you need to grab control of the situation because your husband, the father of your children, is really messing up? I need to really grab a hold of this situation because God isn't coming through here, and so I need to take matters in my own hands. Anybody ever wrestle with that? What does God do with a blind old father that's living just for good meals, and what does he do with a cunning, very deceptive, but very controlling, powerful mom? What's going to happen to his promise of grace in the midst of all this? I want you to turn your Bible to one of the most intriguing stories in Genesis, Genesis chapter 27. And as you turn there, we're introduced with an old dad with his favorite son. As you begin chapter 27, and I want you to have your appetite whetted that you're going to want to just study this story more carefully. Hopefully this morning I'll be able to help you just to be able to begin to understand what you can learn about yourself, what you can learn about your family, what you can learn about the ultimate father, what you can learn about how he accomplishes his purposes in the midst of our messes by his grace. And this is a beautifully written story. It starts out when Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see. He called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, my son, here I am, Esau answered. Isaac said, I'm now an old man and I don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your weapons, your quiver and your bow and go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare for me the kind of food that I like, tasty food that I like. Tasty food is going to be our big theme here. Tasty food. It's going to be repeated over and over again. I want you to bring it to me so I can eat, so that I may give you my blessing before I die. The story starts out with this old man who used to be the powerful promised son, but now he's a blind old man. How many of you can identify with that? I'm not going to ask you to raise your head, okay? The promised son Isaac Earlier in the story of redemption, this is the powerful promised son that was willing to even have his dad raise a knife over him in obedience to the Lord, and he becomes the symbol of the ultimate father that would sacrifice his son on Mount Calvary. This is Isaac. 
But now years have gone by, and now Isaac is an old, tired, blind man. Do you notice something that was missing when he talked about his blessing? In those verses that I read, there's someone that's really, really important that's missing in the blessing that Isaac wants to give. Who does he not ever mention to his favorite son Esau? God, you're right. Everybody tell me, who did he leave out? Remember the meanings in the text. The very first thing you want to understand is that we've got an old patriarch. There was a time in his life where he really was exemplary. He was living for the promise. He was the promised child. In our last story, we had him getting a beautiful young bride, Rebecca. But now years have gone by. We're looking at the end of his life. And if you're an older person like I am today, I want you to ask yourself, have you lost your commitment and your intimacy with the living God? Are you starting to live just for tasty food? You see, that's the very first thing Moses wants to talk to us about. He's he's teaching this stuff. And he asks all of you as men today on this Father's Day, do you live just for the grilled steaks and the shrimp? You see, it sounds crazy. You would think that the older you get, the more you're in tune with God and the more you're looking forward to going to heaven. But that's not true. The older that you get, it's very easy that you hang on to just the experiences of this life. You hang on just to have another good meal. You hang on just to have another great experience. And Isaac is playing the role in the story. And in this episode, Isaac is not a good character. In this story, Isaac represents an old man that's living just for material things, and just for physical pleasures. So on this Father's Day, I have to ask myself, what am I living for? And am I kind of like Isaac, that I just start living to have another great meal? And this is going to be a very powerful point. You're going to have the problem with Eli later on the priest. Eli lives just for food too. And he becomes really big and fat, and he eventually dies because he's so big and fat. When he hears that his sons have died, he falls over and it kills him. So one of the things I want you to pick up on this theme of an old man that begins to live just for food is a powerful story in the Old Testament. And it warns me today, hey, Dave, be careful as you grow older. Be careful not just to live for food. But I want to tell all of you young men today. See, right now in our culture, we live just for the good food. In fact, Feuerbach, a German theologian, he was not a biblical theologian. He said that God is your stomach. He said all that God was was your stomach. What he was saying that the only thing that God is in your life, it's all your desires. God is just the ultimate imagination of your desires that you have. And he said, that's all there is to God. That's a prayerful insight into the person that lives just for material things. So we start off this story with a man that used to be really committed to the promise of God. He used to really be the one that was looking forward to the promise. But now he is the father that needs to pass the blessing on to his son. And God has already made it clear. God has already made it clear when Esau and Jacob were born, just to remind you of the story, when Rebekah gave birth to her twins, God gave her a prophetic message that Jacob would be the leader and that Esau would serve his younger brother. But Isaac doesn't like that. You see, Esau is the man that we all like as men. How many of you like sons that are big and strapping? And they are hairy. They're a man's man. And they can go out into the field. 
They go out into the field and they can take their bow and arrow and they can hunt deer just with a bow. Not even one of those powerful crossbows, just a great big long bow. Man, those are the men we really like. Amen? And as Texans, we love those guys. How many of you would choose a really powerful hunter, a man's man, a man that goes out and hunts game versus a smooth mama's boy? So dads, which ones do you like? Who does God choose? Now I want you to understand, David's going to be a man's man. He's going to be a mighty hunter. He's a guy that can kill bear, tear them apart with his hands, kind of like David Crockett. An unbelievable story later on. So God isn't rejecting the hunter and the great warrior. But he's asking us, what are we living for today? Isaac is totally focused just on the hunt, just on the result of the hunt, just on having a good meal. And he represents today a man that lives just for material pleasure. And I want to tell you something. Isaac is warning you. You see, what's the matter with Isaac's eyes? How many of you know some people, I won't ask you if you do, because you don't do this. How many of you know some guys that are living just for beautiful women? Just to see beautiful women. What happens when you're blind and you can't see them anymore? Then you just do it in your head, right? But then what happens when you can't feel anything anymore? What happens when you can't hear anything anymore? You see, one of the really dirty tricks that Satan plays on us, if you live just for this present life and you live just for the good meals and the good food, you know, the good experiences, the exciting experiences you can have, eventually none of it means anything to you. And that'll make you a cynical old person. And that's what Isaac has become. He's sick and he's living just to have some more good meat. And he's going to end up being really deceived. So those are the beginning scene of the story. Esau runs out, grabs his quiver, grabs his bow. He goes out into the country. And now we have scene two. Because Rebecca, the mama, has to really take things under control. So in the next little scene here, we have a cunning mom with a plan. How many of you ladies say, man, I know how to plan. I know how to get things done. Look what Rebecca does. Now, Rebecca was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So as Isaac is talking with his son Esau, who's listening at the tent? Any of you ladies ever do that? Do any of you ladies listen to conversations that aren't your own? Now, I want you to know something. This story is really skillfully written. Isaac talks to who? Esau. Who's listening in? Okay, in our next scene, Rebecca's going to talk to Jacob. Nobody ever talks all together. That's the way some of your families are. I want you to think really hard about this family. Isaac talks to his favorite son. Rebecca talks to her favorite son. But nobody ever talks all together. You need to think about that. So Rebecca's listening in, and what did she do? When Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebecca said to her son Jacob, Look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, Bring me some game, prepare me some tasty food to eat. There's the tasty food again. So that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. So who does Rebecca remember? The meaning is in the text. I want you to really learn and get an incredible love for carefully reading God's word. When Isaac talked about the blessing he was going to give to his son Esau, he leaves God completely out. But when Rebekah 
is overhearing what's going on. And when she talks to her favorite son, Jacob, she says, hey, this is the I am's blessing. She uses the covenant name for the Lord. She uses the personal name for the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who is present to help you, who's going to bring the promised child into the world. In this story, Rebecca is remembering, hey, the meaning of life is God's redemptive story. Some of you ladies in this room today, in the core of your being, you're really committed to the fact that the ultimate son of Jacob has come, that the tribe of Judah produced David. And then he eventually produced the son of David. And you sang today with all your heart as a woman. You say, man, I really believe that Jesus is the son of David that died on the cross in fulfillment of God's promises. And Jesus rose again. So you, in the core of your being, you believe that the I am, that the I am is really at the center of things. So you're with Rebecca in that. You see, in this story, Rebecca is the one that remembers the great I am. She's the one that received the prophetic word. She knew that her son Jacob, the younger son, was going to get the blessing. And Jacob is her favorite. But she's got a problem. God is messing up. God is messing up. Esau has already gone out to hunt. And Esau's going to come back in just a few hours. And he's going to have a tasty meal. And Isaac is going to give the blessing to the wrong son. God is, is not coming through in this situation. So what do I need to do as a woman in this story? I need to grab control of it. That's what some of you wives are doing in your marriages. I want you to think really hard on this Father's Day. Who's the responsible leader in your family? And some of you ladies decided, hey, my husband's blind. As a, he can't see. He's as blind as a bat. And he's as insensitive spiritually as you can ever be. And if I don't take control of everything, then this is going to be a disaster. So Rebecca does what a whole lot of women do. She's smart. And she's got a great plan. You know what her plan is? She says, listen, Jacob. You remember the story from Sunday school and somebody uh, filled you in on this story? Rebecca says, listen, Jacob, you go out and get a couple young goats. And we're going to kill them. And I can prepare food just like your daddy loves. Man, I'm his wife. She doesn't ever say that in the story. In fact, I want you to know that she talks about your father. If you look at the text, it says your father. She talks about your brother Esau. Jacob is referred to her son. I want you ladies to add yourself. Do you talk to your kids about your dad? Do you have sons that you don't refer to as your son? Those are powerful insights. That's how you reveal who your favorites are. And Rebecca is estranged from her husband. She's distant from him. She doesn't even think of him as her husband anymore. That's where some of you are this morning. It's your father. And it's your brother. She never says, my husband and my other son. And the story is powerfully telling you what happens in our families as we start to divide, as we get separated from one another. We start isolating ourselves. We get in our little encampments with our favorites. And we got to come up with a plan. And Rebecca is brilliant as a plan. She's got a great plan. She can take goat meat and make it taste just like the wild deer that Esau's going to bring in this big stew. And Jacob's got a problem. It says, Mom, I can't do that. Because, man, Esau is a hairy guy. And he never has gone to one of those salons where they take all that hair out. And in this Hebrew culture, 
the hair is really looked up to as vital. And Jacob was saying, hey, listen, I'm a smooth guy. And as soon as I go in, my father, I know he's going to sniff me out. Rebecca says, listen, don't worry about your father cursing you. I'll take the curse upon me. I got all the bases covered. I want you to notice something as we look at this story. What should have Jacob said to his mom? What should Jacob have said to his mom? God will take care of it. What else should it be said? Let's go talk to, everybody tell me, let's go and talk to Isaac. Let's go and talk to Isaac. Why don't you talk to the person you need to talk to? Some of you right now in your family on Father's Day, some of your kids aren't going to be there because you don't talk anymore. And you got all the reasons in the world why you're not going to talk. And if you sit in my office as a counselor, you got all kinds of reasons. I mean, you've tried it for years, nothing ever works. But you're doing your schemes. You're doing your plans. And you've got some really, really good plans. And Rebecca has a whopper. And your plans sometimes will succeed. But you need to listen carefully to this story. Because your plan might succeed, but you might not like where you end up. So Jacob should have said to his mom, Mom, we need to talk to the Lord about this, the great I am. He's strong enough to handle this. Good night. If he can create the heaven and the earth, he can certainly work on dad's life. Let's go and talk about it. But no, Rebecca and Isaac carry on their conversation. And Isaac and Esau carry on their conversation. And in this whole story, the family never talks all together. What's your family like? What's my family like? That's what we need to learn from this story. Jacob goes out, grabs the young goats, and, and, and the idea of the young goats, Rebecca has a really powerful thing. It says in this story, Jacob's big concern is because his brother's really hairy and he's really smooth. He knows that his father, because he can't see, is going to grab a hold of his son and he's going to pull him close and he's going to feel the back of his neck and he's going to feel his arms. And he didn't know right away when he feels that smooth skin, this is Jacob. Rebecca says, don't worry about it. And by the way, there's goats in Israel that the Romans centuries later used for human hair. Back before they cut human hair off and made all the fancy wigs that we have today, in the Roman culture, they would take goats that had real fine hair that was a lot like human hair, and they would use that for their toupees and stuff like that. Okay, I would encourage you in this lesson, you guys, don't do that. Just shave your head. It's much more natural. But I want you to know the Bible is really accurate. There are goats in Israel, probably goats in Texas somewhere that you could find, that when you're blind and you feel, it feels a lot like human hair, real silky and fine, not like the rough goats that live next door to me, okay? And the story is really accurate. When Moses was telling this story to the children of Israel, trying to teach them the kind of character lessons and the kind of belief in the promises of God and to trust the great I am, just like I'm trying to get you to believe this, he's really accurate. They're understanding this story. So the meal's prepared. The goats go out, and Jacob comes in, and man, the tension's rising. What's the big tension in the story? Will Isaac sniff out his son? Will he feel out his son? So look what happened. It says that uh, he went into his father in verse 18, and he said, My father. 
Yes, my son, he answered. Who is it? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. Now we learn, and this is great storytelling. The story doesn't start out telling us that Isaac is flat on his back. The guy's not only blind and old, the guy's sick. And by the way, he doesn't know the day he's going to die. I know that he lived another 20 years. So some of you dads today that think you're dying, you're not. The truth of the matter is none of us know the day of our death. So if you're depressed and as an old guy, you feel like, man, I can't see as well. I'm not as strong anymore. Don't play the role of Isaac. That's not good for you. The Lord knows when you're going to die. You need to keep running strong. You need to keep serving the Lord. You need to keep believing in him. Isaac's not playing a good role. And it tells us here that Isaac is so sick that Jacob had to tell him, come on, Dad, you need to sit up in bed like some of you have ministered in the hospital helping a sick person get up. Isaac asked his son, how did you find it so quickly, my son? So I want you to see, first of all, what did the son do? Jacob's name means heal. When his father asked him, who are you? What does he say? I am Esau, your firstborn son. What is that? Is that a good thing to do or a bad thing to do? So I want you to ask yourself, what you need to learn from this story? Do you lie? Do you deceive? And some of you parents that are sitting here and you think your kids are really perfect, You need to listen to this story. Your kids, when they're not living close to the Lord, they will look at you right in the eye and they will lie to you. Anybody believe that? This is the truth. This literature has lasted for hundreds of years. Jacob is the one that God has chosen. But at this point in the story, he is a deceptive con artist and he will lie at you. In fact, it gets worse. His father says to him, well, how in the world did you get the game so quickly? How in the world would you pull that off? Notice what Jacob says. He says, the Lord, I am. When you see L-O-R-D capitalized, that's the personal name for the covenant God of Israel. Jacob says, the great I am. Your God gave me success. You know what that is? What should have happened if God was just in this story? You know what should have happened right then? A lightning bolt should have come from heaven. Wham! And Jacob was gone good it didn't happen because Jacob's supposed to produce the promised seed. But Jacob just broke the third commandment. Thou shalt worship the Lord your God. I am the Lord your God. Listen to me. Don't have any graven images. What's the third commandment? Don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. That's not just about cussing with four-letter words. What's taking the name of the Lord your God in vain is what Jacob just did. Jacob said, the reason that I was able to get the game so fast is the Lord has blessed me. The Lord blessed my hunt. He's attributing to the great I am, and he's lying through his teeth. He's he's attributing his success to the great I am, and he's lying. As you're working with your kids, as you need to understand in your own life, as you're living your life, that you can do that. You can get that low. And you need to understand, this is what human beings do. Church people do this. Your friends that you're going to be with this week do this. People can use the name of the Lord for deceitful purposes. And that's a really dark, evil thing to do. But the story, the tension intensifies. Because in this story, the tension is, will Isaac be able to snuff out his son? 
Will he be able to discern that he'll be able to find out this is a ruse, this is a disguise? So the story intensifies. Isaac is still not sure. He says, then Isaac said to his son, come near to me so that I can touch you, my son, to know whether you really are my son, Esau, or not. So what is this story telling you? Isaac isn't buying this disguise. He's listening with his ears. His ears aren't so bad. His ears are telling him, this is Jacob. I know from his voice. But the son is telling him really powerful, deceitful lies. So he says, son, I want you to come close to me. Let me touch you. Jacob went close to his father, and his father touched him. And Isaac said, the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. So Isaac is going to listen to his touch and not his ears. He did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau, so he blessed him. He said, are you really my son Esau? I am. So Jacob lies again. Then he said, my son, bring me some of your game to eat so that I may give you my blessing. So Jacob brought him to him, and he ate it, and he brought some of the wine, and he drank it. Then when he had his father full and he had them going on a little bit of wine, he says, Isaac brought it to him. And his father said, now come here, my son, and kiss me. You talk about deceitfulness. Can you see the picture? Jacob, disguised as Esau, is helping his father up, comes close to him. And his father says, son, and, and, and Isaac pulls his son really close to him. And Jacob kisses his dad. And the story tells us here that Isaac, when he smelled the garments. Can you moms tell your kids' clothes just before you go to wash them? Can you tell which kid? I bet you some of your moms can. See, the story is really powerful. How many of you ladies think, hey, Rebecca is a good planner. She's got all the bases covered. She thought of everything. She knew her husband really well, just the way you wives know your husband really well. And she knew that her husband was going to pull his son close, and she had it all down. She had him all dressed up in Esau's clothes. So when he smells the clothes, and remember Esau was his favorite son, and this is a culture unlike ours where men hug. So Esau and Isaac had hugged many times. Isaac knew when he pulled that son close and Jacob kissed him, Isaac could smell the smell of his oldest son. So the blessing flows. Look what it says. It says Isaac caught the smell of the clothes and he blessed him and he said, ah, oh, the smell of my son. He thinks it's Esau. It's the smell of the field that the Lord has blessed. Remember Genesis chapter 1? The Lord caused all the plants of the earth to grow. This is a reminder of Genesis chapter 1. Remember Genesis chapter 2, the beautiful Garden of Eden, and God caused all kinds of things to grow. Jacob is being reminded that the living God, his father Isaac, is remembering those great promises that the Lord is going to bless the ground. It's going to be fruitful and multiply. He says, may God give you heaven's due of the earth's richness. If you live in the Holy Land when the rainy season stopped in the fall all the way till it starts in the spring. It's a lot like Texas. The only thing you have for the crops is, is off the Mediterranean Sea. The wind comes to the east from the west of the Mediterranean Sea and it blows moisture over the Holy Land. And when you get up early in the morning, there is the moisture do that keeps the crops going during that long dry season. 
And Isaac is saying to his son, may that incredible dew that's come in the morning that reminds us that the crops will still be bountiful, may that be upon you. May you have an abundance of grain and new wine. Here's what's really important. May all the nations serve you. May nations serve you. May peoples bow down to you. In Genesis chapter 1, the Lord told Adam and Eve, let them rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over all of creation. One of the grand stories in the Bible is who's going to ultimately rule the nations. It's one of your great themes in the Bible. Jesus, when he came to the earth, says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus was the kingdom. Jesus was the ruler. When you get to the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 19, Jesus vanquishes the Antichrist. He vanquishes the serpent. And all the nations bow before him. When you end the Bible, Satan is thrown to the lake of fire. Antichrist is destroyed forever. And all the people that believe in Jesus come before him. I want to ask you the question today. Who do you believe the nations will ultimately rule before? How many of you are a little bit uptight about the rulers in the world today? I want to ask you today, do you believe at the depth of your soul that ultimately a son of Jacob will rule? Is the ultimate allegiance of your heart, is the only ruler that you really get down on your face before and you worship, is the only ruler that you worship a Jew from Galilee? with nail print in his hands and a hole in his side that lives forevermore. And that's not just a good Sunday school story. That needs to be the ultimate commitment of your life. And Isaac said, I want you to know you're going to be Lord over your brothers. May the sons of your mother bow down to you. Jacob's going to produce Joseph. And Joseph's brothers are in his Dad are going to bow down to him. So that story is fulfilled in the book of Genesis later on. But ultimately, it's fulfilled at the end of the story in Revelation when everyone bowed before the ultimate son of Jacob, which is Jesus. It says, may those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. I want you to know that the Lord promised that he would bless the sons of Jacob. Jacob's going to produce 12 tribes of Israel. They're the Jews. This is the covenant that God made. It's the covenant that the Lord, through this chosen line, is going to bring a great serpent slayer into the world. And that great serpent slayer is going to pay the penalty for our sins. He's going to be the ultimate promised child that sacrifices himself for us. He's going to be the great son that rises from the dead. But he's Jewish. Don't ever forget that. You say, Dave, why are you making that such important? Because Isaac just told Jacob, the nations and the peoples that bless you will be blessed. Those that curse you will be cursed. The Egyptians cursed the sons of Jacob. What happened? God drowned them in the Red Sea. The Philistines cursed the sons of Israel. And the Philistines are gone. The Assyrians are used by God to discipline the northern tribe. And in 722, the Assyrians take them into captivity. But the Assyrians and Nineveh were judged because they cursed God's people. Nebuchadnezzar rose his fist and he took the children of Israel into captivity and he destroyed the temple. But the Babylonian Empire fell to the Persians. When you curse the Lord's people, you say, well, Dave, that's just all ancient history. Hitler cursed 
the chosen people. Believers like you in Germany, believers like you in Germany, in the church called the German church, they started putting resolutions through. If you have any Jewish heritage as a pastor, you can't be a pastor in the German church. And they got rid of all the German Jewish converted. These are converted Jews that had become committed followers of Jesus. But the Germans allowed that to happen. And millions and millions of soldiers and innocent men and women and children died because Hitler cursed the Jews. So in your own heart today, we need to always remember our precious Savior is Jewish. We must never divorce him from that physical side. It doesn't mean that we support all that the Israelis do, but what it means is that we understand that we never allow a hatred to develop in our heart. And we also believe that all Jews and Gentiles need to come to Jesus. As the story closes, Esau comes in, the ruse is exposed, and Isaac in consternation can only tell his son Esau, the only thing I can say is you're going to be a man of war. And that's what happened to Esau. Esau becomes so angry that he has to have his younger brother flee from his presence. Rebecca has to come up with another plan, and they send the younger brother far away and be close today. Rebecca never saw her beloved son again, according to the text of Scripture. So I'm really warned. My plans, when I try to achieve God's plans with human means, it'll work. It'll work because God in his grace worked through all of our ruses and all of our disguises and all of our lies. All of that doesn't destroy the powerful covenant of grace. And the Lord did have the right son get blessed. But the mom that forgot to talk to him about it, the mom that took control and deceived a blind husband, she disappears from the pages of the Scripture, doesn't talk that much about the big celebration when she dies. That's a parable story. So I want to ask you today, which character are you? In this story today, Isaac isn't doing so good. Esau doesn't do very good. Rebecca doesn't do very good, and Jacob doesn't do very good. But there's one incredible ultimate father on this Father's Day that's coming through. Who is he? The great I am. I want to ask myself today on this Father's Day, Dave, do you just live for a good meal? If you're a Rebecca, will you turn away from your conning? Some of you with families, even this afternoon, you could have some face-to-face time. Some of you dads today need to call some of your kids and set up face-to-face time because you don't know the day of your death. You don't know the day of your death. You don't want to go and have yourself die with your family all kinds of estrangement and no talking and no face-to-face and favorites and anger and hatred. If you're an Esau, you're filled with hate, You feel that God is rooking you. All that Esau needed to do is say, Lord, I'll submit to your plan. You chose my brother, but that doesn't mean that I need to be excluded. God is not willing that any should pierce. Esau could have been in on the promise of grace. 
But his anger blocked him because he thought God was, was not choosing him. God wasn't blessing him. So he becomes a man that just lives for now. Which character am I going to play in this story? Will I trust in the ultimate daddy that can fulfill his promise?